Hey guys, welcome to the Back Self Show. This week we have Tadis on from the Founder Series. He comes from Prodsite, which is a company which helps you make sense of your customer feedback. What a great product. He's currently been through a couple of rounds of funding. He's still in the early stages, but they're starting to see some great stuff happen. And I'd love to come on the show because he's had some great experience with some previous startups as well. I don't want to tell his story. I'm going to let him do it for you. All right, so let's kick in. All right, so look, introduce yourself. Tell me about yourself and what's been going on. Cool. Hi, Thomas. I'm good, good to be on the show. Um, so it kind of depends on how far you want to go back. Go uh, all the way to the beginning. Where's home? <laughs> but um, So I grew up in Lithuania. I spent my first 18 years uh, there and uh, I kind of grew up in a small town, went to school. I actually went to this music school. So it was half like doing things like maths, English and things. So you're a musician. Yeah. And like after those classes, you also do like music class, like solfeggio, like music theory and like uh, play like trombone and stuff. What's your, what's your instrument? Yeah. So I, I went to a few actually. I did piano for a bit. Showing off instantly. I really I hated that. Like I, I really didn't enjoy that at all. And then I got more into like wind instruments. I did trombone for a while. It was pretty cool. And then I eventually got into drums. Of course. Uh, which of course is my favorite one. Of yeah. course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> uh, big inspirations on the drums front. Who's your guy? Uh, I really like Brian Blade. Uh, he's a kind of modern jazz m- drummer. Um, I don't know who Brian Blade is. Do I need to find out who this guy is? Is he like? Is he legit? He's he's, he's awesome. Obviously, right. based in the states. Kind of. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna instantly Spotify this guy, Brian Blade. Yeah. Brian Blade. Yeah. He has his own band as well. I'll take that recommendation. All right. So you you didn't work, it didn't work out being a drummer. I'm assuming. Um, so that was actually something interesting. I was playing in a, like a student orchestra. I was playing in a few bands, and my dad is a drummer. So okay. there was like a strong influence for me. Maybe I should just get into music. You know, there's like so much uh, kind of pressure on, on that path. Uh, my mom is a musician as well. Um, but then I was kind of seeing them Such struggle. Background. I love that. Yeah, like they, they kind of struggled with uh, obviously making money. It's, it's a hard thing to do. Like musicians, uh, only very few um, do well in, mm-hmm. in music financially. And then the rest are kind of struggling. So. I was like, hmm, I don't want, you know, to struggle in my life. And I had other talents and I had this interest in kind of like dealing things like buying and selling things. Uh, I started with computers and bicycle parts, things like that. Like whilst I was studying in school. So what, so you would buy bicycle parts and then sell them on? So it started more like I wanted to upgrade my bike. So I would find uh, like parts I didn't want. I would trade them for like profit and then we get better parts and just kind of keep upgrading and upgrading. I was like 13. Or... Oh my God, that's the most amazing like <laughs> entrepreneurial story. It's like a big of a movie. So and we, uh, great. Okay, so you, uh, you became this trading billionaire. When yeah, you, uh... I wish. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was really kind of small time and I didn't think much of it. But then uh, when it came to kind of end of school, I was thinking, uh, you know what I'm going to do? I, I had the sense that maybe I want to go into some kind of business education or get into business in some way. And uh, I didn't, I kind of wanted to get out of my parents' home. So I started looking up these uh, like universities in, in the UK, um, started emailing them. They started sending me these like prospectuses. And I was like, this is real. Like there's like real connection. I, I haven't like spent much time abroad before that. And I was like, you know, it's, it's actually going to be possible for me to go abroad and study. That's amazing. And I was just 18 at the time. Amazing. Um, Where did you end up going? So I ended up in Glasgow. Um, I went to Glasgow University. What a uh, city, great city. And a beautiful campus as well. I think the Hogwarts from Harry Potter kind of took a lot of inspiration from that campus. 
it's beautiful beautiful gothic uh, campus and uh yeah it's lovely four years there um and what uh, did you study that i was studying business and management okay cool yeah and i tried to take as many entrepreneurship modules as i could so there, like every year there would be like one module you could take that's kind of more about like venture uh, starting new companies, corporate entrepreneurship, things like that. It's quite an interesting subject. That. That's quite a divisive topic because people, some people are a bit like down the line of like, the only way you can learn how to run a business or entrepreneurship is to run a business and mm. to be an entrepreneur. You obviously, you studied it. Like, do you think that has made you more successful or do you think that actually you didn't need those three years? Um, in Scotland, it's actually four years to do on honors. So it oh, was right. a even, slightly even, longer time, like maybe less intense than, than English degree. Uh, and uh, I think it's, it's hard to say like what would have happened if I did take it or not. I took it, I took this path. So that's what I live with. Um, what I actually did at university is I studied maybe like 30% of the time and the rest of the time I was running like little ventures of my own. Uh, they were never like really serious, but I had like a range of tiny like little projects always going on the side. Um, so I think what the formal education has given me is a bit of a framework. So I kind of understand uh, things at theoretical level, like how a business is put together. Whilst I think if you go into startups without that background, you're kind of like, like it might feel like anything is possible, but it, it takes a while to put things into their boxes. Like what is marketing? What's accounting? Yeah, sure. Uh, what's finance? Like how is it all stacked together? Whilst having that understanding, um, allows me to kind of better understand like whether something I should be doing or maybe I should like hire some help. Um, and, and there's also like modules you take that talk about like large companies and you understand like change management, how does that work? And sometimes even at the early stage, those things do apply to some degree, like the psychology behind like doing a big change or like 360 on something. Mm. Um, so I don't regret it, but I also am glad that I spent like the remaining time alongside my studies, like doing yeah. projects and kind of like doing the practical side of it. How did you, so when you were doing those practical things, I'm always super interested in like the seed where your idea came from. Cause obviously you're naturally entrepreneurial. Like you said, from when you were 13, you were getting stuck into making a profit. So if you were like, so when you were coming up with these ideas and you were doing stuff, where was that coming from? Like, how were you, what did you just see a problem in the world and you wanted to solve it? Or was it financially driven? Like what was it that was driving you? Um, I think for me, it's always about, I had this feeling that I don't understand how these large companies work. Uh, and it doesn't seem like a place I want to end up in. Like, I don't want to be like some kind of small part in the big machine. Um, so I was always thinking like, what can I start where I would be there from the beginning, uh, or like join a small team. And, uh, and you're totally right. Like the ideas always come from your environment. Like you can't start a business in something that you don't understand. Um, and that's like both good and bad. So like early on as a student, what I knew, I knew about drums. Um, I knew about some student problems, like finding good events to go to or like societies to join or like where to hang out. Um, and actually I based the first two ideas around those concepts. So the first one was an online drum store. I was literally like arbitraging like percussion instruments and like reselling them for profit. Uh, which is a very simple like e-commerce business. Um, so you were buying them yourself and then reselling them. So I was. You, so you need some capital in the first place to get that. Yeah. So the, the the first investment was literally my own kit. You know, I I had a kit that I bought like for a good price, and I I was like, mm, if I build a website and put 
this gear on there. It was, it was pretty high quality, so uh, I knew some people would be interested. Um, but eventually, once I sold those items, I was like, what if I buy more? Um, what, I, what I was focusing on is buying high quality equipment that I understand the price of. And you kind of like make money whilst buying. So if you get it for a good price, then the sale price is typically determined already. Like you know how much these things cost and, and people know that. So um, I would do things like I would buy a bunch of gear from someone's like moving abroad. There's this guy, this Scott that was moving to US and he had an entire set. Like, okay, I'm gonna give you a good price. I'm gonna take everything off you. And I would just sell one piece at a time. That's amazing. What a great e-commerce business. Great, this great is like the most fundamental. Pure, but it's like, it's super, it's the best side hustle, isn't it? It's such a great setup. I love that. And I love that, that the statement you made there where, you know, it's come from your own environment. Like you knew you didn't know how to find gigs. You knew you the price of the product. So you were an expert in those fields. Yeah. And so because of that, you just solved a problem that you were experiencing because you understood the problem more than anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so the that idea was pretty simple. So I was just kind of like selling someone aside and it got boring pretty quickly because like on one hand, you have these like established drum stores that have like warehouses and lots, lots of gear. And it's like very capital intensive business mm. and pretty saturated and kind of like commoditized already. Um, so it was like, mm, this is getting boring. I want to I want something that's like software based. I can like infinitely expand. And the next best idea was probably the most cliche is building this like student social network. Oh my God. Um, I mean, I know some of those millions. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it was like, like a great fun. Like we built this site that essentially like indexed all the events happening on the campus, all the societies would have their profile. And they did get... you, did you develop it? Are you a coder? So that was like my first venture into actually building like, like the actual technology platform. Uh, obviously, I took like existing components where I could, but I would like still tinker around with code. And like the more features I had to build, the bigger the challenge it became. Mm. And I was kind of like learning to code as I was doing what, this business. What was that, the key learning you took from that exercise? Um, that, you know, most coding is, is kind of like going on Stack Overflow and like Googling for answers and then like iteratively learning yeah. those things. I was, just, yeah, I have this theory that the best coders are just the best Googlers. You just kind of, I think the thing is motivation. Like if you, if you take up some boring course that, you know, takes you step by step, you're going to lose that motivation because I wanted to see this thing work from kind of like a user perspective. I wanted to deliver some functionality to society I was speaking to, you know, and if I do a good job, then they're going to get on and start paying. It's just like this amazing feeling. So how did you win customers there? Cause like, obviously like for a social network, you know, you've got to have supply, you've got to have demand, right? You've got to have, so like, how did you win the customers? It, it was kind of lame, but we threw this massive party on campus. What do you mean lame? <laughs> There's nothing lame about a massive party. That's cool. Yeah, I guess you're right. But, um, well, I guess what, it hap what happened, we partnered with the, one of the biggest societies on campus at Glasgow Uni, and we threw this massive party. They were like bringing food and drink, and we were bringing the entertainment. So it was like, like a band, and there was like, uh, like a raffle, and we had prizes and, and, and booze and so on. And... Um, Essentially, you know, we had these laptops positioned with like a sign-up page for this website, which is called StudyMan. Uh, that was the name of this network. And people would sign up and then they would enter the raffle. And then at the end, people would win prizes like a box of beer or like an Amazon watch, things like that. And uh, we got like about a thousand signups that night. And that was kind of the beginning of this. So we had- Jeez, it's great. The problem was 
like students are not the best demographic because they don't have a lot of disposable income. And we were kind of like trying to make money off people that didn't have much in the first place. Mm. And that's when I realized, um, you know, I need to know more about things in the real world, like expensive problems, like s serious problems that people will pay money to solve. That's a great lesson there. You know, that's what a great phrase, you know, you've got to find a problem that people are willing to pay money for. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we did one iteration, one pivot on that initial idea, which I think ventured beyond the scope of students. So we created this event aggregator, much like um, Songkick, I guess, if, if they're still around. So it's kind of like, like that. Um, we had like Ticketmaster events feeding in and we would make arbitrage on, on, on ticket sales. I think it sold like... For the audience, just explain what you mean by arbitrage. Um, I don't know if I got that. What I, what I actually meant, I think, is affiliate model. Where we would sell, uh, you know, inventory of events and tickets, and then we would get like a small percentage back. Got it. Yeah, yeah. So um, we sold like thousands of pounds worth of events, but we made only thirty pounds. It's like you made gonna... thirty pounds from a thousand events. Uh, no, no, it was like about ten thousand pounds worth of ticket sales, and we made like about thirty pounds. That is not a good margin. That's not a good margin at all. And I was like. <laughs> Wow, how do you scale that, right? Exactly, Jeez. so it's like, this is gonna have to be either like some massive consumer, probably venture-backed business, mm. which I, I didn't feel like, I was literally about to graduate that year, and I had a co-founder who actually is now my wife, so you kind of like had- Now this, your wife? Yeah, so we, we, we were like so you married dating. You married We were dating before before everything, but I guess that's kind of another thing. I love that. It's, it's like <laughs> there's, like when you're starting something, you're kind of like, I need help, so, Oh, like she was studying marketing um, and she was kind of in into that. So like, oh, you're going to do the marketing side. I'm going to do the tech side. Um, now we okay. do completely different things. We'll turn this into a rom-com. We'll, yeah, we'll do this. Yeah, nice. <laughs> it, it wasn't a good idea. I wouldn't recommend, from uh, my experience, wouldn't recommend starting uh, a business with your spouse. Do, is she your business partner now? No. Oh, so you had an amicable split professionally, but absolutely. Then, but then, yeah, we remained. We remained. We got married after. Um, so essentially, what, what, what was the the forcing function of that business? Like we knew that it had to be much bigger than we could handle yeah. ourselves at that time with our experience, and it was graduation time, so we had to prepare for exa for exams and like nail them because we had to finish and graduate. Uh, it was like already kind of like last year. And we decided to stop that business, just close it down. We didn't owe anyone any money. We just like stopped all these projects and uh, we went and got jobs. And the biggest motivation for me to get a job, I went into product management. Um, so I was working for an, uh, an agency in, in Scotland that was doing Skyscanner apps, FanDuel apps. They had this kind of boutique mobile agency. And that's where I learned the ropes of product management and I was working with, with bigger teams, learning from people and finding business problems, right? So at that point, um, you know, I was exposing myself to things that are beyond like the student life and the, the drumming that I knew. Um, and I think, and I think that's how I got better ideas to work on. Mm, nice. I love you. That's a good attitude. So it's really obviously rare as well to go from being oh, so entrepreneurial to then moving into a job, but then getting that experience whereby you've learned a bit more about yourself and a bit more about the real problems in the real world. In the current climate, marketing is hard. But do you know what isn't hard? 
making sure you never miss an episode of your favourite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much. So today, you're now ProdSight. Tell me about it. Yeah, so ProdSight came from a problem that I, I saw uh, working on, on, on these mobile apps is if you have a product, if it's moderately successful, you're going to get feedback. It's not so much about... So what do you mean by feedback? And yeah, so the way I think about feedback broadly is like any customer touch point. Like when a customer is like leaving a review for your product or if they're reaching out through support, reporting a bug or raising a feature request or something like that, or filling out a survey or even commenting about your brand on, on social. You know, any kind of interaction that's talking about your product from some angle. Um, and the way it's kind of dealt with at the moment, it's more like if someone leaves a bad comment, we're gonna respond, we're gonna handle that. If it's on, on a public channel, if it's a bug, we're gonna send it to the dev team and that's that. But what I realized is if you take all this information and that came from a product management point of view, it's like, if I want to build the best product, I want to understand everything about these customers like intimately. And once I have that understanding, I'll be able to compare that against like what's happened in the market with competitors and like what's our technology strategy and kind of create like the best roadmap, like the best strategy for that product. And I was always hungry for this data. So to satisfy that thirst for this, for this insight, I ended up building these workflows where I would have like an Excel spreadsheet and I would keep like aggregating this data from different sources, what people are saying about our product and like trying to analyze it. So obviously like you have qualitative research methods, it's like what is called coding of, of qualitative data. So you like read through a piece of text and you find interesting uh, tidbits and then you like give them names. Like this person is talking about uploading photos and, and they're complaining about like issues with uploading, things like that, whatever you find interesting. And then you see like how many people mention those things across the board. And then you throw out these themes from which you can learn. So you can see like, you know, people in this month are complaining about these areas. So they might need more attention or people in this segment, you know, would really like to see this kind of functionality. Um, but it's, it's a laborious process because if you compare something like qualitative uh, with quant, um, it's like usage analytics or financial data, it's structured. Mm. It's like it's happened on a, on a given time or it has like a certain number attached to it. You can easily compare numbers, combine them, process them. With qualitative data, you first have to go through a number of steps to, to, be, to even start analyzing it. I love that. So on that, so from my, um, so from my, from my you know, very uh, awful brain, so essentially what I'm doing, so you're just collecting all that data and then you're telling me what the general theme is, the, the trend, the, the narrative that people are having about my product, which allows me to improve my product with the users giving me that feedback. So it's just a really, it's a cheap and efficient way to do it, right? Exactly. It's essentially, it's it's giving you the learning you need to make better decisions or good decisions. Yeah. Um, without all that effort that you have to go through. Amazing. So we're taking these like different steps that go through that, like cleaning data, aggregating data, you know, analyzing it, turning into reports, all that into a SaaS product. Perfect. And how's it going? It's going really well. So uh, we what launched- What does that mean really well? What counts as really well? Well, really well for me is is achieving customer success. So being able to 
uh, create a product, deliver it to customer, get paid for it, yeah, and then on the other end measure some kind of quantitative or qualitative outcomes. Um, so now we've uh, gone through that process with quite a few customers, and we managed to capture these stories. So we have a company that's managed to take the learning from our system and turn that into various different automations to deflect support volume. They managed to get about like 25% of tickets instead of having to be dealt with by a human, they would um, have an automatic response and, and it gets resolved and that's that. So, you know, at, at the scale they're dealing with, it's a 500 person company. That's cool. Uh, with a big customer support department, that's a lot of money saved. Yeah, massive, uh, massive. That's really cool. So you've got, uh, so how big's the team now? How many have you got? It's just four of us at the moment. Did you say just four? That's enough, right? It seems to be working for you. So what's the plan? So are you are you raising right now? What's the what's the journey? If you know every every startup wants to be a gazillion pound company, you want to be a unicorn, decacorn, whatever the new corn is. But like, yeah. you want to be one of those great companies. But what's actually what have you? Because you've been doing prototype for two years. Yeah, so it's uh, it's two and a half years, I think, now since the initial con conception of the idea. I mean, I started out as a single founder. Uh, That's I, hard. I, you know, I tried to find a good co-founder and there's been some different kind of like uh, stories um, that went through, but in the end, and ended up being uh, a single solo founder. What's your, what's your number one? It's like, people always say like, yeah, there's a lot of funds out there that won't fund single founders. They always want it. And I, um, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed to have a great team of co-founders and, you know, which is very lucky. But I think there is a lot of people out there who don't have that luxury you've been through that journey what's your advice to other mono founders yeah yeah i think if you're starting a tech business you have to be technical at least to some degree um because if it's if it's a tech pro everything is about the product in the early days like your understanding of what needs to be solved but then like actually solving that to some degree um so fortunately because i went through those experiences uh of previously building apps and websites, I I could build that initial version of the product and create a prototype. The way I did that, the very first version was just like an exporting facility for uh, for Intercom, one of the support tools. And then I could start playing with this data and like analyzing for people. Uh, and then I built a simple dashboard where basically like the data gets inserted and then I manually behind the scenes analyze it for them. Then I expose nice reports on the front end. So. I had a few different customers um, paying me for the service and I had a, an intern actually labeling the data. Um, and that was like a proof of concept. Like I had, I think I reached about eight customers paying me like a few hundred dollars per month. I was like, this problem is real. I managed to capture money for it. And then essentially that got the ball rolling. I got like, I think it was like four other angels came in on the back that these guys were backing me. And that formed the initial angel round, uh, which then also attracted uh, kind of like an early stage VC to come in with a, with a check as well. And we built this like tiny pre-seed round uh, that allowed me to hire two guys. So it was a data scientist and a software engineer. And they essentially built a, like the MVP2 of this product. Um, Amazing. I love, I, what a great story. It's such a great, like, I love that journey. You bring in one, you know, sexy angel and then it brings in other people as well. I love it. Um, so, conscious that we're going to run out of time. Okay, so one of these, I'm going to ask you um, two questions. Okay, the one I love to ask everyone who comes on. 
what is the dumbest thing you've done since starting Prodsite that you want no one else to make the same mistake? Um, there's one thing I almost did, uh, and I, I might as well have done, uh, if that other person would have been dumber. Uh, so I almost gave away like half of this company to this one co-founder uh, that we like massively fallen out with. Whoa! Uh, that so be bad. That, that that could have been like, but I was like, I was like already giving that offer to the person, so they could have taken it, Shit. but they didn't take it. So I I dodged that bullet. It Whoa. would have been really bad. The uh, message there gets know your co-founder, right? Absolutely, and that was like a friend as well. It's just Jesus. it's it's not so much like the person being bad. It's just a, was a bad fit. It happens. It happens. Um, but like great message there to everyone else. Don't get a shit co-founder. Um, and the um, the next one is. What is your one piece of advice you give to anyone who started a company today? What's the one piece of advice you would give? I think one thing I see a lot is uh, people get excited about like the space or like how big a market is for something. And that almost overtakes uh, their desire to learn about the intricate problems that people actually want solved. Um, I think like whenever I have success with any feature or any product, it's always when it comes from a deep understanding of an underlying problem. And I think that that insight is often like very deep in the detail. So spending time with your potential clients, like truly trying to understand, you know, what is it that you're struggling with and how you're going to make that better. Um, and using that as the foundation for building your business or product um, is, is kind of like almost the only way to go. Otherwise, you're you're going to build too much of the company before you realize that there's not that fit. And I think that's, for me, maybe there was no other way, like because I didn't have any like, uh, like X, X, uh, like startup successes or experience that um, someone went back instead of the, the traction we were getting with the product. I ca it kind of had to be real. It had, it had to be real traction, real money being transacted, uh, real needs being met. Uh, to get that value, to get that like uh, backing from the from the investors, um, so I would say the founders start with insight, and then you can build out the product from there. I love that. I think it's really great advice. Tell us, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been great. My pleasure. Thank you Thank so you. much for having me. All right.